Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Well, I got a question for Leanne. What was it like on Food Network, barbecuing there with Bobby Flay, and then, of course, meeting Bobby Flay as you did a while back? How was that experience for you? Well, first of all, the throwdown was a long time ago, and I had never seen the throwdown before, and they told me it was going to be this show called The Grilling Gals, so I had no idea what it was going to be. They were there for two days filming, and... Um, they asked me to cook some pork butts, which I did on an Oklahoma Joe. I did it with my pig powder dry rub. And they said, just, you know, serve the fire department, serve your restaurant, you know, clients, invite them here. So I said, okay, so I'm outside. And all of a sudden he rolls up with his smoker and we're going head to head on a pulled pork sandwich. Well, thank goodness they didn't tell me in advance because I would have been a nervous wreck. So it was cooked, it was what it was, and you know, it was blind judge. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk everything around your home every single week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, this is the episode that you've been waiting for. I am so stoked. I have been asking Eric week after week, when are our barbecue people coming on? I said, I want to hear all about it. So here they are. Bring it on. So we've got from Barbecue Nation, my good friend, Jeff Tracy. Woo! Hello, hello. Hola. And of course, his co-host, Leanne Whippin, barbecue extraordinaire. <laughs> Welcome to Around the House. You might have seen Jeff Tracy on the back of milk cartons everywhere. And Leanne Witten has been <laughs> all over Food Network before, beating people like Bobby Flay and Master Q. And welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, good morning <laughs> or good afternoon, whatever time it is. I'm not sure. I was up all there night. There you go. So there you go. Working. Well, we wanted to talk barbecuing because there's some people like me that I, I can be standing out in the snow as long as the wind's not blowing and barbecuing. But we are getting into what I call residential barbecue season for me, for people that are walking into the home centers and seeing that $199 grill and trying to do something with it that they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th I yeah, thought we'd talk yeah, about that to begin uh, with, about there's some great barbecues that are inexpensive, but there's also ones that are kind of throwaway models that might make it through a year and a half of cooking. What are you guys doing out there for barbecues these days? Yeah, so um, I, I'm i a brand ambassador for Pit Boss Grills, so I am a huge fan of the pellet system because for me, um, it's it's a great design for someone that's cooking in the backyard that doesn't have the time to work on maintaining their fire over live fire like charcoal. Um, it preheats very easily. You can kind of set it and forget it. So you can come home from work and actually smoke food and you're, it's ready in like 10 minutes to put your food on. 
and it regulates the heat for you. It, it kisses your meat with, you know, just wonderful smoke. And there's a variety of different flavor pellets. Um, actually, Pit Boss has a spring blend that just came out. Um, I was in Walmart yesterday just perusing the aisles and it's obvious grilling season is on. I mean, it used to be like one tenth of an aisle and now you have it's it's like shopping for toys now. I mean, it is like nonstop. I mean, the choices are amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm a little old fashioned. I use a stick and a blowtorch. We're not talking for TV. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have an assortment of grills, as you know, yep. there, Eric. Um, but lately, I've been using uh, two models uh, from Grilla Grills out of Michigan, and you and you buy direct. You won't find those in any stores. Um, they have also a retail store in Dallas, but, um, I've got a pellet griller, pellet grill from them and also a Kamado style. But then I also on the back porch, I have Weber's and, um, green mountains and just stuff, you know, there's a lot of it back there and there's a lot in my, in my little shop. So, uh, but I've been using, I guess you could say I'm a brand ambassador for Gorilla Grills. Mm -hmm. And um, although they didn't give me the shirt with the name <laughs> on it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm still using their products there. So uh, I agree with Leanne. I mean, we're kind of ground central here for pellet grills because, mm -hmm. as you know, I only live about 12 miles from where Traeger was invented. And... Um, so that kind of started up here. I know they had some um, variable similar grills in Canada that they came up with, which is actually uh, from Danson's, which are the folks that own Pitmaster and Louisiana grills there. But um, yeah, I've, I've done this. Most all of them work out pretty good, you know, and I like exactly what Leanne said, you know, you can get them ready quickly to cook on. You can, um, have a really nice smoky flavor to your food and they're pretty low maintenance. Um, you don't have to worry about regulating the one, the fuel source or the temperature so much on those versus like in charcoal or even gas. So um, that's, that's what I've been using the last couple of years. So yes, yes Carolyn, yes. calling you. Yes. <laughs> so I am an amateur I would say amateur grill. I'm used to using a propane tank and a Weber. So I want to step up my game when it comes to barbecue. Uh -huh. So what would be the next step for someone like me who's loves to barbecue, wants to get a little creative, but isn't at the, obviously the level that you are. So stepping up my game a little bit, where would you guys recommend I go? I definitely think the pellet grill is an, you know, your answer, not only that, but the price point is there. You aren't spending a lot of money and you're actually, um, you don't have to be an expert. I mean, you can convert your gas grill to a smoker. They have the smoker rings that are available. You can put pellets in them. You can buy smoker boxes and you can add it to your gas grill and turn your gas grill into somewhat of a smoker. But if you want to step it up and get to that next level, I really think pellet grills is the way to go. Um, it's a lot easier than, you know, a charcoal grill for sure. Yeah, my lump, my lump charcoal grill, I love cooking on it, but I got to go out there 40 minutes before I want to throw something on it. 
clean it up every time, go through, get the fire going. And I've got an off-brand Komodo style, and it's it's a messy grill to deal yeah, with. Yeah, and you know what's so interesting now with the fuel prices? A price of an LP tank is over $40. I mean, Ooh. and so when you look at the cost of pellets, you can turn the pellet cooker off and reserve all those pellets. It's just it uses what you use. So it's really more economical than gas yeah. these days, I feel like it. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because um, plus the, <clears throat> excuse me, the price points, there are, I mean, Traeger just came out with a Timberline 5 or Timberline X. I don't know what they prefer to call it, but it's almost 4,000 bucks. But that being said, there's a lot of entry level and one step up pellet grills that you can, that you can get for, under oh, you can get them for like three hundred or, or less. Three hundred dollars, you can get a nice yeah. size pellet cooker. There you go. There yeah. you go. And so that worked really well. And a lot of the pellet cookers, Caroline, have um, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi on them now. You can get notifications on your phone about your temperature or if you need to add pellets on a long cook. There's a. They got a lot of mm-hmm. bells and whistles. So and. If I was going to say, just like Leanne did, if I was going to say, what's your form of cooking, what's your style, what your grill is going to be for the chance of the least mistakes, I would go with a pellet cooker. That's that's me. But because um, gas, you know, you can get a little flare up, you get hot spots and you get hot spots on all grills. But with uh you know, gas, if you if you do catch on a grease fire or something, if it hasn't been cleaned properly, uh, you got to deal with the gas and the grease and all this. And very seldom, unless you just never clean your grill, do you get fires in pellet grills. I mean, it does happen. It happens with all grills. But I that, think they're about the same. That's taking me to my next myself. question for you guys. How do I clean my grill and what's the right way to do it? In my opinion, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Hire somebody. <laughs> yes. Hire somebody. <laughs> right on it. Hire somebody. Well, on, on the show, what I've said, if, you, if you've got a pellet grill or if you've got any grill for that matter, I have a shop vac that was my shop vac that I used on cars and stuff, and that got – um, move down a step when I bought a new one, but I get it, get yourself a 30 or $40 shop vac dedicated to only cleaning your grills. Okay. The other thing is if you, um, I don't know what they have in, in New York and New Jersey. And I, I think you live in New Jersey. I'm not sure, but, uh, if you have a car washes, <laughs> that mm-hmm. you, you know, with the wand guns that yep. you put in two bucks and you do that, you can take your you can take your grill grates and hang them on the wall uh, where you clean the mats and blow them off with the pressure washer. Now I have pressure washers here at the house, and so that's not a big deal for me. But if people live more in in more of a real suburban area and you've got neighbors and and this, and you may not have the room to do that, nor do you want to clean up the mess afterwards. But I take them to the car wash and just hang them on the wall and blow them off. Vacuum out the the bottom of the grill. There's going to be some grease in there because all grills now have come with a little grease bucket, but that doesn't catch all of it. And so I take a, 
like a putty knife, a real wide putty knife, and just go down and kind of scrape that out, vacuum it out with my shop back, vacuum out the uh, the little fire bowl in there, and you um, should yeah, be good to go. And back to the pellet cookers, there's very little ash residue. So um, for those, you don't really need a, you know, a shop vac per se. But what you should do is every time you grill, when you're done grilling, turn it up, burn all that stuff off, scrape it off with a good grill brush, and that's <laughs> yep. going to um, alleviate those massive cleanouts that you do eventually have to do. But you really need to burn off what was left on there because if you turn your grill off, it's just going to stick the residue. So that's what I always do is give it a high heat for about five minutes, you know, scrape the food residue that's off and... Um, you know, and, and also take yeah. either, you know, a, a paper towel with some oil on it. Uh, you can take some Pam and spray it on there just to give it a little bit of, um, a nonstick surface, I think helps too. Yeah, that's smart. And, uh, in the Pacific Northwest here, if you go into October, November, and you don't remember to do that to your grill and you keep that thing shut down for two or three months and you go back in the spring to use it again, it will remind you with that green and white carpet of mold on the inside <laughs> if you don't. So it looks like you've got wall-to-wall -wall carpeting in your grill if you're not careful. So most people around yeah. here do that once and they go, well, that's going to be a mess to clean up. And yeah, it is. Well, and the other thing you should do actually, Caroline, in the, if you're going to get a pellet grill in the wintertime and if you're not going to continually use it, we do all the time. You want to take the pellets out of the hopper. If you're going to shut it down for three months, don't leave the pellets in the hopper. They will attract moisture. Uh, they won't burn properly because um, they, they all go down through an auger to a little fire bowl. And uh, that because it's metal, it's cold, it will draw moisture, like I said. So you just and there's trap doors on most of them. You can just put the pellets in a bucket and put it in a closet or in the garage or whatever you've got. But they're, to me, the pellet grills are actually easier to clean than um, like a gas grill or Kamado style or, or one of those because um, there's not as much residue as Leanne said. There will be some grease on your grates and stuff. And, um, you know, that's not that hard to clean off. There's some there's uh, reflector plates underneath you can pull out on some of the models and you just pressure wash them off, clean them off when you do your big cleans. Um, I don't know what Leanne does, but they say, the manufacturers usually say, like after every five, six, seven cooks, uh, you clean them out. My, I usually put a one in front of that number uh, before <laughs> before I actually get to cleaning it out because it's kind of a big process. Well, Eric, <laughs> Eric, I'm waiting for you to tell us about the new invention for, you know, self-cleaning barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, actually, what you do is you you, you you put that barbecue right up next to your vinyl siding on your house. Oh, there you go. And so when that catches on fire, it burns that and the entire deck down. And the barbecue's clean after that, after it's all burned off. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to come out one of these days. <laughs> yep. It's, it's just a molten pile of metal or ceramic. But other than that, and you can't use it anymore, but it will be clean. Yeah. It will be clean. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's amazing when you take aluminum and melt it down and smelter it down. Oh, yeah. It does take all the grease off of it. <laughs> You're right. There will be some kind of self-cleaning thing out there. Yeah, you know, right. and, and you know, some barbecues, you know, have that self-clean gas function on it where it just tries to get it hot enough to to burn everything up. But the problem is it also 
melts all the thin steel parts on the inside, and that's why they don't last too long either. Right. You know, so it's not like a self-cleaning oven that you can go through and turn it on and just be good. But uh, yeah, I think you'll see that one of these days. Can't wait. I think you'll see that one of these days. Right? It's like we can put people on the moon and send people to Mars, but we can't create a barbecue that cleans itself. Right. Well, you were talking earlier, Eric, about you can go to the big box stores and get one for a couple hundred bucks. There's, they're not going to do the things for you on an ongoing basis, like the grills we've been talking about. But if you're just getting started or if you've got an apartment or it's your first house or whatever it is, and it, you know, budget is a concern for people. um, They'll last you for a season or two. They're not, they're, you know, you're going to find heat leaks and, you know, you can look through one end and clear down through the other at times. See the neighbor's house. See the neighbor's house there. But, <laughs> but if, you know, again, if it's that's what your budget is, then, you know, to get started, go for it. You know, I always think about it, though, when I see that and I see that, you know, $200 barbecue there that's in front of the big box store. I almost go, man, why don't you just go get a Weber kettle? Because you'll probably get something that's going to taste a little better in the long run, even though it's a lot messier. Yeah. Weber kettles now, some of them are not 200 bucks or under. They're north of that substantially because of some of the uh, different attachments and stuff they put on them. But uh, yeah, you know, Ed. You know, the biggest barbecue seller in the country now is Ace Hardware. Hmm. They have, um, they have one of their guys there, one of their VPs a few years ago said that he wanted to be the biggest go-to barbecue uh, stores in the country. And they've pretty much got that accomplished. Behind Payne's barbecue products are their number two seller in their catalogs. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So let's jump over here to, okay, we're, you're going to start barbecuing. I'm going to ask Leanne and Jeff the same question. So Leanne's going to get a second to think about this as I ask Jeff. Well, that's not fair. Jeff, what? what yeah, no. I'll, Thank I'll, you. I'm going to pick on you first because okay. that's what friends are for, right? Right. <laughs> right. What's your favorite cut of beef to go throw on the barbecue? Tri-tip. Okay. It's quick. It's got a great flavor. I mean, you know, steaks and stuff aside, but if I'm, if you got a group of people coming over, I found over the years, and I've been spoiled, as you know, by the folks at Painted Hills, but mm-hmm. to throw two or three tri-tips on there, season them up, put them on there, you're not talking about a long cook time. They're very tender, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they're trimmed up properly and stuff, and uh, they... They look like you really worked your ass off on this thing, but you really didn't, you know, so they, they look kind of spectacular when you put them on the platter to go slice them up. So that's for me, that's my go-to. All right, Leanne, how about you? I love a tri-tip, but it's hard for me to find being in Florida, you know, so I, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, unfortunately beef is super expensive right now. I, I really like to treat myself to an occasional great, beef rib. Um, Mm -hmm. I find it very decadent and flavorful, but my favorite steak is a ribeye because I love fat. Fat is flavor. And um, I think you'll see it's very prevalent for people to do reverse um, sears on steaks, which, you know, is not a hard thing to do. Um, You know, basically uh, slow smoke it on your pellet 
grill till it's about 105, 110 internal and then crank it up and sear it and you get that wonderful sear and you get, um, you know, an even cook on your steaks. But I, I love a good ribeye. That's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yum. My mouth yeah. is watering. Man, I'm getting hungry already. Oh, my already. God. Eric and I, we always talk about food. <laughs> we should have a food show. Him and I are like foodies. <laughs> Yeah, except I look like it. <laughs> I I be that too. <laughs> oh no, it's 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 that red meat that the doctor goes, "Oh, you should cut that down." And I go, "Nope." Yeah, when they tell me that, I say, I tell them, I say, "Well, they pay me to eat it." So, <laughs> well, you can do like us. We do a we do a cow. We get our own cow every year, so we raise a cow and then we have it butchered. So we do a grass fed. Yeah. Um, you know, usually like an organic or our own, you know, fielded cow. Sure. Do you guys have any recommendations? I mean, when people are using different types of meat like that, does it affect grilling or is it, I mean, is it less lean? I like the fat, like Leanne likes. I could go for a fatty <laughs> steak. That is yummy. You want to take that, Leanne, or you want me to? Go for it, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> the biggest thing in, when you're looking for uh, a good steak or even a roast or something like that is to check the marbling. Um, that that marbling, that fat in there is going to add more flavor and it's going to be more tender and juicy. Now, you can go to the extreme end of that and, and do Wagyu stuff, which you have to get a third mortgage to buy. But... <laughs> you know fourth or fourth yeah but the wagyu <laughs> stuff is just so heavily marbled that um a lot of people really like it i i can take it or leave it because i i like fat too as you can tell but it's um sometimes it can almost get too marbled uh, mm -hmm. you know the the main choices uh now this is just my opinion but you've got prime and you've got choice and then you've got select and it goes down to institutional food at the bottom of the food chain there a good <laughs> a good choice steak most people can't tell much of the difference between a good choice steak at the higher end of that grade and a prime um they're, they're very very close as far as the amount of marbling in there uh, when you don't have a lot of marbling in there, that you're going to get more down at the lower end of choice into the select grades. Um, but it just depends on what you like. A lot of people like leaner, you know, leaner beef. Um, I like mine, like you guys have said, with a little bit of fat. If you've got the uh, a ribeye, and if they've been nice to you, they leave the spinellus on there, and that's I've seen Leanne just chew on that walking down the hallway. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, that's where a lot of your flavor comes from and that, and if you're raising your own beef, you get to choose how you want it finished out, which is the mm -hmm. great thing about that. If you've got the room to do it, you know? Yeah. I just found that growing up and learning about meats, going to the meat counter, you just don't know what is good to throw on the grill, right? Like, is it a ribeye? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you buy a London broil? People think because, you know, a London broil or a top round is less expensive. You think I'm going to buy this as a sale meat, which if treated properly, it's excellent. If you marinate it, if you uh, slice it across the grain, so you really have to know how to treat each particular piece of meat to, you know, have it reach its full potential, you might say. And, um, you know, otherwise it's ground beef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. So what's your guys' take between, like, you get into a steakhouse where it's dry-aged versus not dry-aged. What's your what's your guys' take on that? I don't know. Go hang it in the closet for a couple months, I guess. You um, know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dry-aged really, to me, has a, a, a different flavor profile. I know when I gave, you know, my kids were not raised on dry-aged, and when I gave them a dry-aged piece of meat, which I thought was going to be a special treat, they, they didn't like the flavor of it. So I, I, I do think that it, it, I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. You're going to pay an arm and a leg for it. Um, I'm not no a, a huge fan. I'm not saying it's not delicious for some people, but I don't know. It's just me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's to me, honestly, um, they've really made a big marketing deal out of dry aged. Mm -hmm. uh most beef that if if you go down to your local store that steak or roast was not still on the hoof two days before there's a process and by the time they go through that process it's a couple weeks anyway to get to the Mm -hmm. market okay so if you want to buy some and and have a little climate controlled room and do all that you can do it I'm I'm with Leanne. I'm not a huge fan of it just because I think it alters the flavor a little bit. You know, if you actually go into a cooler or a, a room, I should say, where they have dry aged beef, it's going to look kind of black and nasty on the edges. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look- you don't want to see that before it goes on the grill. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. You know, so that's, that's just me. And I can probably speak for my partner there i think it's a lot to do about not much and i don't think it does anything for the flavor of the beef you know and you certainly wouldn't dry age a chicken so (laughs) oh you know something like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) i hadn't thought of that that's (laughs) that's brutal yeah Yeah. i haven't seen dry age stuff in any of the the meat places that i pop into it's always at the restaurants that i see that well, last weekend when we were coming home from Seattle, we stopped at a casino that's north of Portland. Neither Shelley or I had been in there before, and we just wanted to see. So we went in, and there's a very famous basketball player that has uh, some restaurants around. Um, mm-hmm. The I guess Larry you, Bird, right? Yeah, right. The Chicken Place. The Chicken no, Place. Yeah, no, <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> And I walked over just to look at the menu and their sirloin steak was just the steak. A la carte was about 60 bucks. Okay. For the steak. If you wanted to for their, for their, uh, dry aged, uh, rib, it, it was a hundred bucks or more just for the steak. Okay. And I mean, that's all well and good. And I looked at Shelly and I said, Jesus, we couldn't get out of here without a $400 bill at least, you know, like that. I think it's a sales tool. And so mm-hmm. um, that's, we, at the show, we try to cut through some of the BS, not, you know, no pun intended as far as carving up meats, but um <laughs> And they're and they they can be great marketing ploys, but you're not going to find them in a grocery store. You have their specialty meat. You have to have special ways to age them and stuff like that in a very dry uh, room, so to speak. And so, you know, I'm just I'd rather go get something that's been 
ready to go for a couple of weeks and put it on the grill. Nice. Well, I got a question for Leanne. What was it like on Food Network barbecuing there with Bobby Flay? And then, of course, beating Bobby Flay as you did a while back. How was that experience for you? Well, first of all, the throwdown was a long time ago, and I had never seen the throwdown before. And they told me it was going to be this show called The Grilling Gals. So I had no idea what it was going to be. They were there for two days filming. And um, they asked me to cook some pork butts, which I did on an Oklahoma Joe. I did it with my pig powder dry rub. And they said, just, you know, serve the fire department, serve your restaurant, you know, clients, invite them here. So I said, okay. So I'm outside. And all of a sudden he rolls up with his smoker and we're going head to head on a pulled pork sandwich. Well, thank goodness they didn't tell me in advance because I would have been a nervous wreck. So it was cooked. It was what it was. And, you know, it was blind judge, which is nice uh, by KCBS certified judges. And I ended up winning the throwdown, which was um, just, a, a really, really, it was amazing, but to be back with Bobby Flay on the brawl on food network, uh, to be in his circle again was really amazing. And that was, you know, a head to head knockout with, you know, a week of cooking from morning until night. You really don't realize how many hours go into those shows and the editing that, you know, is, is, uh, that transpires and editors, uh, kudos to them. But um, yeah, that was probably one of the hardest competitions that I've done. And that's including on the circuit. Any show that I've been on was the barbecue brawl because it was a knockout. And, you know, you had Tuffy Stone, you had Slaps, you had, you know, all the top cookers there. And then, of course, you know, to end with having to cook a whole hog, you know, in (laughs) in a pit that was made by hand uh, was another challenge, but wonderful experience. And um, you know, Michael Simon and Bobby Flay, they, they really try to uh, interact with you and make it a great experience. And we hope it translates, you know, to the people that are watching it on, on TV. That was a fun show to watch just from the viewer standpoint for me. And I've watched everyone after it. It's, it's been cool. You know, it's been cool to watch. And, and you're right. It seems like everybody's having a good time in there. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the, the question that I always get is, Oh, well, do they really start the clock when you start cooking? And I'm like, yes, they do. I've been on chopped. They don't show you what's in the basket ahead of time. When you open that basket, they start the clock and it's game on. It is. This is not um, a behind the scenes. Oh, what are we going to do with this? Let's look up. I mean, they take your phones. You can't even look up anything on the Internet. So it is really they take away all tools and and it gives you an even playing field, which is cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, that, those timers start when that TV is showing it and those are true times. And, uh, so that's an answer to the question that's asked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause I've seen people not finish. Yeah. And it's you true know, on those shows. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it rarely happens, but it does. And there's sometimes big names that don't get it done or they forget to put the last thing on or, or anything else. What was the, what was the hardest part uh, or what was the part that you were looking back on the throwdown? What was the, the, the part that you go, Oh man, I wish I could have done this differently. Um, Or was there on the throwdown? Actually, I was pleased with the way everything turned out. (laughs) Uh, The interesting thing is though, we had to incorporate a a coleslaw. So it wasn't just about the pork. Um, It was Mm -hmm. about the coleslaw. And of course, Bobby always does a little twist on it. So he was doing this pepper and da, 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 da. And um, actually, 
if I had thought about it ahead of time, I would have tried to whip up something that was unusual. And I'm glad that I did just my standard slaw with celery seed, you know, shredded carrot, <laughs> red cabbage. And, and so no regrets there. I think the more you think, the more you second guess yourself. So it was kind of nice just to kind of like have it right there. And so I, I really didn't have any regrets on that. Good. Just do what you do. Yeah. Right. And, uh-huh. and if anybody, it seems that, you know, and I, and I, Julie, my wife watches a boatload of, of food network. So I end up, end up watching a lot as well, just by default. But it seems sometimes Bobby wants to take that fairly standard food item and, and do something pretty wild with it. And sometimes he wins and sometimes he doesn't with it. That, and so that's right. Yeah. I think it was smart for you. Yeah. It worked out. Jeff. Yeah. I know you've got a story here too. You want to talk a little bit about horse riding in the movies? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Movie Star. Mr. Movie Star. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, you're bringing this up, aren't you? Yeah. God. <laughs> I was in the world famous movie, The Postman, and I was one of the bad guys. I was one of General Bethlehem's, who was played by Will Patton, one of his henchmen. You know, the typical rape, pillage, burn, drink, stupid <laughs> stuff all, all day. And, um, there was a core group. I think one. I'll, I'll tell. I'll share this part with you. And I don't know if I've ever shared shared this even with you, Eric. Is that when we first got to the set, I got hired by Warner Brothers to, uh, and there was a couple other people that had this job too to bring in people that could ride very well and had their own horses and and so on and so forth. And that was all good. And so we got there, and you go to um, wardrobe. And they put us in these orange smoke jumper suits, which were nylon. And then some genius uh, set director uh, and creator decided that we all had to ride in McClellan saddles, which were the old cavalry saddles. Well, if you've ever ridden in a McClellan saddle, which I had quite a number of times, they're very slick. They're not like a Western saddle. And I rode English. I rode three-gated horses and stuff when I was younger. So I didn't have much of a problem with this. But these smoke jumper pants are, they're nylon. And so, you know, we had a lot of people eating the dirt every day because you'd go around a corner at full speed or something and off you'd go. (laughs) But on the food side of this, when we first got to the set, we were eating with the the principal actors. Now, Kevin never really came in the tent, but all the other actors, Joe Santos and some of those guys, Will Patton, they would come in and you could get anything you wanted for breakfast or lunch. And I mean like steak and lobster, the whole thing. Craft services was great. When they started bringing in all the extras, and we at one point we had over 2,000 people on the set for the big charge cavalry charge and battle and it took a couple days to film well they certainly couldn't do that i mean that would blow even though they had a hundred million dollar budget you'd just spend 20 of it on food so they would put people in this other big tent which couldn't go in with the actors anymore and you would get stuff there like a fried egg sandwich uh for breakfast or uh, a grilled hamburger patty on rye bread uh with some secret sauce for lunch so fat boy here decides that I'm not going to put up with that. So 
I figured out where the craft services trailer was down on the actual set where we were filming. And I would volunteer every day to stay with the horses because I told the guys over the trailer, the craft services trailer that I could cook. And they believed me and they let me go in there and fix my own lunch every day. So so everybody was up eating that swill on top of the hill. I was down there with the lighting guys and all that, having a hell of a good time and making everybody lunch. So, by the way, Jeff, there's your new production company name, Swill at the Top of the Hill. Swill at the Top of the Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I worked on that movie for, I don't know, close to nine weeks. And uh, it, it was it was very interesting. I'd been on movie sets before. I'd been in another movie that never made it to the theaters or anything. But uh, this one um, did, and it bombed because uh, what we filmed and what they cut uh, were two different storylines. So I'll just leave that at that. But it was a really great experience. Um, spent some time with Kevin. Uh, spent some time with the other actors. The fun part about that is that at night we would go into town. A lot of this was filmed in central Oregon and we would go into Bend and there was a kind of a cowboy bar there. And so we all would gather there actors and extras and featured and all that stuff. And we'd play pool and have a good time every night. So it was, it was real positive. It was long. And, but you know, when you sign up for something like that, you've also got to be aware of what they're asking you to do. Uh, If you you know, because one thing we all had to dye our horses black, there was no more Clairol dye in the state of Oregon after that movie. (laughs) Uh, It takes about 25 bottles of Clairol to dye a horse, just in case you're interested. So there's a stat I'm writing down just in case. (laughs) I'm going to sneak a question to Leanne. So Leanne, I started making my, um, I'm a wing person, right? I guess I'm from Jersey. So we've got, you know, New York and New Jersey. Jersey. Oh, you are? Yes. Lake Mohawk, Sparta. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So I'm from Where Hunterdon are you County. From? Hunterdon County down by like West. Okay. So you and I are both in the rural, the rural areas a little bit more. Exactly. Exactly. That's nice. So I started doing wings on the grill and that became my favorite thing now. Like I just think it's fantastic. Do you have any recommendations for like how to make wings or a wing rub or wing something to do with wings for barbecue? You know what? It's kind of ironic that you asked that because we just interviewed um, the author of the new Wing Crush book that's coming out and it has over 60 recipes. But um, anyway, back to wings. Wings are expensive these days, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. you can get wings where you aren't paying for that little tip if they're already pre-cut. So that'll save you a little bit of money. Um, I'm a dry rub person. So when I cook wings on the grill, I use dry rub and then I put the sauce on the side. If people like sauce, don't make the mistake of putting it on your wing in the beginning of cooking your wings, because a lot of them have sugar in it and it's going to burn. So always sauce at the very tail end. I'm talking like maybe the last five minutes, 10 minutes tops, um, but wings with, um, you know, a good dry rub, there's a lot of recipes out there. You can buy dry rubs very readily out there. Um, it depends on the flavor profile you're looking for because you can do anything with wings, which is really nice. And, uh, I mean, you can buy boneless wings, but I prefer bone-in wings. But just mm-hmm. watch them when, you, you know, 
when you're cooking them because I like to cook them with a little bit of direct heat, which means the flame is hitting them. So you get a little char and it crisps mm -hmm. the skin. Um, another tip is, in my opinion, is to cook wings at a higher temperature because it tends to make them crispier. And what I mean by that is cooking it at, at a temperature of like 275 or above. If you slow smoke a chicken wing, you need to kick up the heat at the tail end of it. Otherwise, you're going to get a rubberized, you know, type skin. Oh, there's Jeffy's back. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Guess who's Thank back. Thank you, Wave Broadband, for your consistent <laughs> technical abuse. Yeah. You were you were frozen there for a minute, Jeff, in a really cool, like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it, you'll it was leave a good that shot. in, too. But <laughs> I got all this Absolutely. pixelated screen and this weird noise and I'm going, they are working on, they're putting new telecom lines and stuff in where I live. And so it's to be expected. Are they, are they getting rid of the, uh, uh, the, the, the string, uh, the wet string in the can that you're yelling in down there? Is that what yeah, they're doing? But they're not going to replace the gerbils on the wheel. They're, they're, they're oh, still going to be there. Got it. But yeah. Well, we were just oh, talking about awesome. um, wings. the wings. And so anyway, those are a few tips, um, you know, and Jeff, I was saying ironically that, you know, we were that we just interviewed the author of the um, of the new wing crush uh, book yeah. that's out. It, it'll be out next week. But, uh, you know, wings are a good thing for beginners to start with, too, because you aren't. Uh, you know, dealing with a huge cut of meat like a brisket or that kind of investment. So, you know, the key is to learn your grill, learn the hot spots and, you know, and a wing is a good, you know, protein to start with, I think. So, Leanne, what, who inspired you growing up to get you into cooking like this? Was there some people out there that you watched or was there somebody in your family that really that pushed you along that you learned from or was this something that later in life you went out and, and tackled on your own. I know this is, um, this goes way back to when I was a little girl. My dad was born and raised on my grandmother's hog farm in Lexington, Missouri. So we would always go, you know, to Kansas city, to Arthur Bryant's to Gates. And then, you know, my dad was always, you know, he, he, he flew for TWA. That's why I was raised in Jersey. He was based at Kennedy airport. So a lot of people are like, how do you know to barbecue if you're from Jersey? Well, he, he <laughs> basically taught me in the backyard and, you know, getting involved with the Kansas City Barbecue Society at a fairly young age and, and just, you know, competing. And I just fell in love with it when I was younger. Um, ironically, I collected pigs <laughs> when I was a little girl and I uh, didn't know that this would be my profession. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a lifelong journey. And, um, you know, I attribute it, you know, to my family, my dad predominantly for getting me into barbecue. Yeah, for sure. Nice. How about you, JT? Well, I grew up on a farm or a ranch and, uh, you know, country cooks. They, I give them credit because they usually had to use whatever they had available. They didn't have the um, opportunity just to run to the store. You know, you lived far enough out that going to the store was, a big deal. You know, you maybe did it once or twice a month, uh, if that, and if like in Carolyn's case there, Caroline's case, excuse me, uh, you know, we raised our own beef, that type of thing. We had hogs. Um, my mom would buy 50 chickens every year. Uh, when I was really little, they raised them, but then she 
found a fellow that would do that. So that was kind of the basic thing because I found I had an interest in it. But the guy who really inspired me was Graham Kerr, the Galloping Gourmet. Um, I used to watch him when I got home from school. Uh, nice. And I loved it because he was so crazy back then. He Everything was funny, laugh, you know, but he would tell you and he would describe <laughs> the aromas and stuff with this such passion that was just like incredible. <clears throat> and some of you have heard this story before, but we, uh, my dad's sister, my aunt, uh, her husband passed. And so she was staying with us on the farm. She, she lived in the city, but she didn't like to be alone, especially in the evenings. So she would come out. So she would be there when I got home from school. We would watch the show together, and if there was something that I thought I wanted to give it a try to cook it, she would write down the recipe because there was no internet or anything. You had to, if you wanted the recipe, you either had to write it down or send away for it, you know, like that, or buy the book eventually. But, and all of those were complete failures and disasters. Um, you know, <laughs> trying to do something at the level when I'm 12 that Graham has been doing for years. But that really inspired me to want to get better at cooking and learn. And I did over the years. And um, then when uh, we were competing at the horses, I would come home and have my friends over on Monday or Tuesday, depending on when we got home. And I would cook these big feasts. And uh, those did work. I, I had learned a couple of things, like the difference between high heat and low heat. Uh, at that point. So I would do that. And I just, when I got back into doing media work, I always included food in all my shows. Um, I had a segment in every show, to, to, didn't matter what the topic of the show was, that we did something about food. And so um, it's just kind of followed me, uh, you know, throughout my life. And, um, I was very blessed, like I said, to grow up on a farm and man, you learned some really good basics there, you know, how to make gravy without a package of gravy, you know, type thing. <laughs> so, um, yep. yeah, that that's, but Graham was the biggest and he's a good friend, but, uh, he was the guy that inspired me the most, I think, because he liked to have fun and he liked to drink in those days. So nice. I, I think you had, had him on recently on Barbecue Nation, didn't you? Uh, Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah. Thanksgiving, okay. Christmas, somewhere around there. We usually have him on a couple times a year. And he's about due coming up because he'll be wanting to talk about, you know, spring and summer, the vegetables and, and uh, working with them and all that. He gets He's still very, very passionate. He's 84 now, I think, or 85. Sharp as a tack. And... Um, I just enjoy being around him. You know, it just, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, um, that's how the story there, Leanne had not met him before. And when I told her he was coming on the show, she sent me a picture of Graham and her father. And I think mm -hmm. Julia was Julia, Julia child. Yeah. Julia child was in that picture. Yeah. 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 So legend that was, that was kind of a connection there for everybody. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's fun, but he he was my inspiration. Yeah, 
Nice. Leanne, do you have any other inspirations like that that you still see out there today that are still cooking like that that you go, wow, they're a legend? Besides me. Um, <laughs> oh, besides JT. Yeah. Well, I'm getting older and um, a lot of my friends that have been very successful are like, you know, I look up to, of course, you know, I, I love Myron to death. I, I respect what he's done for barbecue and how he continues, um, you know, to succeed and teach and, um it's just remarkable. So I, he's, he's one of my, um, I don't know, favorites. And then of course I, you know, Julie child, you know, just amazing. Um, I'm very inspired by women, you know, and cooking and, and successful and being able to break the glass ceiling a little bit. Uh, Bobby Flay, actually, I, I think he was one of the first grilling shows that I would watch. Um, you know, today, there's a lot more grilling out there on TV, but back in the day, I think he was, you know, one of the first ones. And so I, I do look up to him a lot. So those would be my top three. You know, it's funny commenting on that with Julia child. It's amazing how far ahead that Boston PBS station was because they had her, they had this old house. Well, you know, decades before HGTV and food network, they got it before anybody else did. I will tell you a cute story. Um, she and Graham were hosting the James Beard Awards years ago. Wow. And they used to give each other a hard time about who had the most influence on people on TV and so on and so forth. And Julia would say, well, I had the show first and Graham would say, but I had the first syndicated show and mine was worldwide, you know, so they would go back. So Graham told me one day, he said, we were doing this James Beard thing and he hadn't seen Julia yet. So she comes on the stage from, you know, like camera left and he comes in from camera, right type thing. And he's wearing a kilt and, uh, the the whole thing because nice. he's part Scottish, you know, and so he's yep. wearing that. And he said she really just kind of looked at him and and didn't say much. And then finally, something to the effect of, "Why in the bloody hell did you have to wear that thing?" You know, and, and so <laughs> that set the tone for the night and the awards. But that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Well, I wanted you guys to talk a little bit about Barbecue Nation. For all the people out there that maybe uh, of our audience that have not heard the radio show or podcast. Well, shame on them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave Bob, handyman Bob, hell this last week on social media for yeah, that, by yeah, the way. I, saw I, that. Think I, I think I slightly offended him. but <laughs> I saw that. He, in fact, he even reached out to me to talk about that. <laughs> um, well, I, I started this show. <laughs> Nice going, pal. Um, <laughs> I started this show about the same time you did. I came into Alpha Media about a month after you did. And I took over a show and changed the name and, and um, did that. And we were, both of us were syndicated just in the Northwest at that time on the, uh, what turned out to be the old Trailblazer Network for this basketball team. Mm -hmm. and, and did that. And then we we kind of go hand in hand. That's why they refer to us as the, the Portland radio mafia. Uh, and that's true. <laughs> um, and then we went with another group and now we're with the USA radio and talk media, uh, that crew. Um, and 
uh, I had been thinking about it for quite a while. And finally, I, I got up the courage to ask Leanne, um, not out on a date, but if she wanted to meet me on the radio. And because I thought it was important, I've always tried to, in all my programming background, I've always tried to include women. Um, you know, there's half. There you go. There are a little more than half the population. <laughs> <laughs> and they control most of the money. So why would I be a dummy and not do that? Uh, but seriously, I, I had interviewed Leanne a couple of times and we had a great time, you know, talking on the show and stuff. And, and so there were some other people I considered, but I just thought that she would be the best because she's, you know, she's very, very knowledgeable. Um, she mm -hmm. can be, be feisty when she needs to be, which I like. <laughs> and uh, keep you in line. Yep. yep. And uh, she knows a lot of the people that uh, I've either interviewed or had, you know, interaction with, and, and a lot of them that I don't. And so I, she's just brought a great uh, balance to the show. And I'm being serious for five Aww. seconds here, but yeah, yeah, but, that, yeah. but that's true. And so. I reached out to her and asked her, and I said, you know, you'll make absolutely no money doing this, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, she went, okay. And that kind, of, <laughs> that kind of surprised me. We did a couple rehearsals and then just threw her into the fire, so to speak, and off we went. And that's been what, six months now. Yeah. Yeah. Time yeah. flies. Yeah. No, it, it, it truly, it's, it's been an honor and it, it's something that is kind of out of my wheelhouse. And now I feel a lot more comfortable and Jeff made it, it, the transition really easy for me. And we actually met for the first time at the national barbecue convention a week or so ago in Fort Worth, but I had felt like I already knew him just, you know, from, all right. Cause he's in Portland. I'm in Tampa, you know, that's like opposite ends of the country, but, um, it's actually worked out really well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a joy and I love every time we do it. It's fun. And you can tell on the show it's, you guys are having fun. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, you guys got that energy in there and, uh, it's good to have somebody keeping, uh, JT in line there and, you know, heading north it's at the same time. It's difficult at so times. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, herding cats yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Caroline's got the same job here too. So <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. So, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a real pleasure uh, and an honor on my half to, behalf to uh, work with Leanne because um, I, I did not, I came from a competition world, but removed from barbecue in, in a, you know, the horses and stuff. And uh, that was great to me, took me all over the world and all that stuff. But I knew about food. I knew about cooking. I knew about barbecue. I didn't really know too much when I started about barbecue competition. I had, I had judged a couple of them locally here and that was pretty simple, but, um, bringing her on has been a huge, uh, attribute to the show. Um, because when you, when we do talk to, you know, Myron or Tuffy or any of these folks that, uh, compete, they're all, they look at me and go, uh-huh. They look at Leanne and go, Hey, how you doing? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's well, good, to, good to have her. Yeah. I mean, Eric, as you know, having Caroline on your show, I, it, it adds a different perspective. It does, um, you know, it's nice to have 
the women being able to, you know, say something and have an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So kudos to you as well. Um, No, I think Uh, it makes the show a lot more um, fun for the listener, you know, because you can banter and you get, you know, everyone has different experiences, different knowledge. And so it's just adding more to the overall show. Whether it be barbecue oh, or it, home improvement. <laughs> yeah, because Caroline and I are kind of the yin and yang in the show. I'm the, hey, uh, let's get the brake clean out and go clean this off over here. And she's trying to find the, the plant-based it. cleaner to use it with. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's uh, we meet in the middle every time someplace, but uh, we have a good time That's doing good. it. Yeah, I would say if I was going to evaluate that, I would say you're kind of like a chainsaw and she's like a surgical scalpel. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. I say that with all love and admiration, as you know how how I feel about you, but I've been accused of the same thing. So I thought it was a good kind of parable for us there. (laughs) Exactly. I'm kind of the bull in the china shop, and you're the one delicately walking through. So, yeah, yeah, she's got this super glue trying to put the handle back on the teacup, man. She's, you know, like that. Absolutely. So, you know, with Caroline being a uh, an entry-level barbecue master over there trying to, to do that, before we go out here at the end of the show, guys, what are some of the – do you have a couple tips for her oh, wait. as she jumps onto the barbecue? i got a question. Someone yeah. gave me, oh, there we go for the holidays. Someone gave me this intricate temperature, put it in the, the grill, and then it's got a remote outside the grill right. so I can monitor why it's in blah blah blah. So I want to use this thing, but it's kind of foreign to me. So is it okay to like leave it in the meat? Is that something we even want to do with this temperature? How many probes does it have? Oh God, I think it's got like two or three and it's like this intricate and it's got, you stick yeah. them in and then you've got this little gadget that you watch outside of it. And I mean, right. So the, some of them will have, first of all, it's that kind of leads me to a really, really good point, Caroline. Don't trust the temperature gauge on the outside of your grill or smoker or whatever. They'll be kind of close, but they won't be very exact. Um, just by the way they're placed in there. Now, some of them have them built in and they have their own probes. And if they're like on the pellet grills, they have a digital um, monitor or what do I want to say? Can't think of the word right now, but there's a temperature gauge right there that you can control the temperature with. Something like that, they will usually have two probes to go into the meat and one to give you the internal temperature of the barbecue, of the heat inside. Um, and there's usually a button or an arrow or something you can push that will go back and forth between the two. Uh, they're, they're pretty slick, but if you don't want to go to all that trouble, a really good, like, uh, Thermoworks digital thermometer will, you're focusing on the meat, uh, the internal temperature of whatever it is you're cooking, um, and that's the simplest way to do it. I've got a couple of those things you speak of, um, I've used them, but I've used them more on my charcoal stuff than I have on my pellet grill. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like that. I don't I, know what I Leanne's think thoughts that, are, um, but- I, I think your friend is very nice that they gave you that. Um, I do think it's advantageous when you are cooking like a turkey or bigger piece of yeah. meat that you just don't want to sit there and babysit. I mean, you can set that with an alarm. It'll go off. But you also have to educate yourself on what the – 
temperature has to be on the inside of, you know, a turkey, you know, and, and so, you know, to print out an easy um, chart online, just to have handy. So, you know, what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's great that you have a thermometer, but what's it supposed to be? How do you like your steak cooked? You know? So you have to educate yourself with that, but it, you know, Jeff is right. It, it, it has its pluses and minuses, but for easiness, a, a, a thermopen is the way to go an instant read. But, um, I would recommend using that for the longer cooks and, um, yeah. just as a safety net, cause you certainly don't want to overcook something that you've spent all that time and money on. You know, and you can, if you're going to do something like a brisket, <clears throat> um, they're a huge piece of meat and getting them trimmed properly. And there's a million videos on YouTube to show you how to trim it, whether you're just going to use the flat or if it's a pole packer or whatever it is like that. Um, I don't know how Leanne feels about this because actually we've never talked about it, but I'm not in favor of people that are just getting started in barbecue to try to at attack a brisket um, until they get comfortable with cooking something like a tri-tip okay, or ribs or, or a, a pork butt or something. Uh, when you get those down and you're comfortable and you know the right temperatures and you, the other thing is you have to learn your grill or smoker, whatever you're mm -hmm. using, you're going to have hot spots and cool spots, you know, in it, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of reasons, but once you get comfortable with that, then you can try to go after, um, the bigger cuts like a brisket or something like that. And you can buy brisket flats, which is just, they kind of square it off for you, or you can try to trim it up at home and remove the money muscle. And, you know, you can make burn ends in the end and all that stuff, but that's not something I recommend just open the door with and start, mm -mm. you know, get a little more, uh, get a little more seasoning under your belt, dear. And Sounds good. <laughs> so you were talking about um, a couple little tips and tricks. So one of, um, yeah. and a lot of people do this, but a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, I've done it for years on the competition circuit, circuit is to get a little spray bottle, fill it with apple juice. You can even fill it with pineapple juice. Um, and when your meat starts to look a little bit dry, and you know what dry means, uh, spritz it a little <laughs> yep. bit. You don't want to do it too much that it it washes off your rub or your spices, but spritz it a little bit. It adds to the caramelization. Uh, mm. It helps with the moisture of your meat. And this can be done on chicken, beef, pork, whatever. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, you can even put water in a spray bottle, but that is one of the simplest, um, you know, inexpensive and readily available spray bottles. And um um, so that's what I like as far as a little tip, Jeff, do you yeah, have something you do? Um, well, I'm just looking, Mavis is attacking me right now. That's our cat. So I, uh, <laughs> she's cruising around on the desk. Yeah. I, the spray bottle is a great idea. Um, you'll find some people, Caroline are into, um, wrapping that they'll, they'll cook. I'm I'm sorry. I'm still kind of a low and slow guy, uh, and not just mentally. But um, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're doing a brisket, if you're, you know, it can. There's people out there now that'll put them on 500 degrees for an hour and 35 minutes, wrap them up, throw them in their Coleman cooler, and and never look at them again for eight hours. And they take them out, and it it works for them like that. Um, but I think as far as the tips, yeah, I think the biggest one is for me is what Leanne just touched on is keeping your meat moist. 
um, not soggy, but moist, um, you know, doing that and keeping your temperature control. So you've got the, the instant reads. Um, uh, I think those are the two biggest things that will help you and selecting a decent cut of meat. Um, you know, because those grades are set up that we talked about earlier in the show for a reason. And it all has to do with tenderness and marbling and, and that it doesn't necessarily always constitute flavor, but it does that. And if you buy really inexpensive, um, I won't even say lean, I'll just say cheap cuts of meat. You're going to have a difficult time making it taste good. You can season the hell out of it, but if you can't cut it with your, you know, silverware, then it's, people are not going to be impressed. That's my thoughts. <laughs> and another thing is, I think it's really important, and this can be on a gas grill, a pellet grill, a smoke or whatever, is set yourself up for success by setting up a two zone. And what I mean by that is to have your heat source, your, your charcoal banked on one side, nothing on the other side. So when you're moving, if you're over direct heat and your steak is burning, you move it over to the safe zone where there's no, mm -hmm. you know, flame. And that can be done by just turning on one burner on your, your gas grill, whatever it is you're using, always have a safe zone and your hot zone. So you're able to work with those um, different temperatures and the protein or even vegetables for that matter that you're cooking on there so that you aren't stuck with flames, you know, burning up everything. You can move it over safely yeah. to where it's safe. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like the time I tried to do the, uh, the, the bacon wrapped something and I threw them on the barbecue, not really thinking and out very straight. And that was about a house fire by the time I was done. So it was, it was not well, that was probably 20 years ago, but it was not, uh, that was not well done on my part, but it was well done because it was trying to light the whole house on fire. Well, I'm going to throw one thing in here and this is kind of my, they, people make a big hoop-de-doo about grill marks. And if you're taking pictures or you're in a restaurant or something, I completely understand at home. I don't care. And so if I need to flip that steak one extra time, I'll do it to get it where I want it. Okay. Now other people may not do that, but grill marks don't mean in the final deal, a whole heck of a lot. Um, if you're in a restaurant, like I said, you want a very beautiful presentation. I get that. But at home, when you're fe feeding the Motley crew, they're not going to care about that very much, but it doesn't actually do anything to the meat. Okay. It's just, that's why we have a logo at the show it says, turn it, don't burn it. Because people try to get too fancy sometimes and they're either overcooking or they're burning the best part, which is the fat. I attest to that. And, <laughs> you know, you got to kind of sort out in your mind what is beneficial to the cook, not meaning the two-legged cook, but the whole cook of the process or is it just for looks? Now, there's times when looks become appropriate, competition or restaurants, whatever. Most of the time at home, um, not so much. I don't know. Le Leanne, what do you think about that? Um, I'm going to agree and disagree. That's fine. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. Uh, I see with my eyes. I love grill marks. I agree with you, Jeff. It's not necessary. Um I do, however, feel like a little char on my meat. I yeah. like that flavor. And I think that the the grill marks is, a, you know, a testament to that, 
that taste flavor. Sure. Uh, but I agree with you 100%, Jeff. It's not necessary. And sometimes you can, you know, ruin your meat trying to make it pretty. So yeah. th there's pluses and minuses, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just love food. I like char. I like <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Eric, we're coming up on the I holidays, like so Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day, the big thing. I am a hot dog person. So I am really particular about hot dogs. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yep. So like there we go. Okay, so I'm a little weird. Like I like my hot dog to kind of plump, but I don't like a, a char to my hot dog, so I don't like it burned. Uh-huh. What are the big keys? We're going into the season. It's the big hot dog season. You guys have to have some really cool tricks and tips for. Well, I got a couple and I'm sure Leanne can add to this. First thing you do is take a paring knife and uh, at the end of your sausage, cut a cross, just like a cross in it. And that way, when your hot dog starts to expand, it won't burst on the grill. Okay. It'll go out instead of, it'll go, you know, lengthwise, lengthwise. instead of out. Okay. The other thing is, Instead of, again, this goes back to some grill mark stuff too. Instead of setting them crossways on the grate, put them in the slots and you can continually roll them as they're cooking. Really? And, Interesting. And that will, mm -hmm. you know, if you want some char on it, fine. Just put them on there at 500 and walk away and come back in 20 minutes and then you can have some Kingsford for breakfast. But um, <laughs> if you just kind of roll them like that, you can even the cook out. I found that to to work interesting i like that well carolyn you said you don't like to have grill marks on your hot dogs i like yeah i like it like a crispy but i don't like it to be really burned is that strange i mean that's right. just my personal and preference for a hot dog so that's kind of going back to the safe zone method again you don't have direct flames so you can move it over to that side or just you know it, but you're gonna if you want it a little bit crispy on the outside i recommend cooking at a higher temperature Mm -hmm. Right. So closing your gas grill, maybe cook it at 300, get it, you know, crispy, crispy. high. Jeff, Jeff is a hundred percent right. Those babies are going to explode, but I think you need to, hot dogs are made from a lot of different products. I yeah. suggest buying all beef, <laughs> right. <laughs> just right. saying. Um, yep. Also um, kind of fun is to add things to your hot dogs while they're cooking, wrap it in bacon, do something cool, mm. you know, slice it, put a piece of cheese in it and then wrap it oh, in bacon. Ma bacon dog. makes everything mm -hmm. better. <laughs> and cheese, so, cheese dogs are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't know. My favorite is, is I had this in Seattle when I was playing in bands and I would leave the, the central saloon down there, which is down in pioneer square. It's a hundred and something year old bar, which is old for out here. And they had a hot dog stand that showed up at about one o'clock in the morning <laughs> when awesome. the bars were closing and they did what they call Seattle dogs, which they take the dog, they split it down the middle and they put grilled onions and cream cheese mm -hmm. on a um, kind of outdoor bun like you a know, hoagie type uh, thing, like a hoagie type bun. And, uh, man, at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, that was the best thing ever. So we saw when we were at the national barbecue convention, <clears throat> and I'm seeing this a lot on social media is where they're taking sausages. You could do this with hot dogs, 
but you take like three skewers and you line them up and you put them side by side, your hot dog or your sausage. So you're making almost like a platform for a topping. And then you put on melted cheese or you can put on bacon bits or whatever you want. So you're creating this like platform of deliciousness (laughs) while, (laughs) while they're cooking, but then it has all this melty stuff on top and you just pull the skewers out and throw it on a bun or eat it straight up. And it's amazing. Oh, and they were good. Yeah, they were good. I had I had to that I had to drag Leanne away from the <laughs> thing out there. That that is a hot dog palette of flavor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you've got you've got Memorial Day coming up. That kind of kicks off the grilling season for a lot of people, mm-hmm. unless they're wonky about it, like Leanne and I are, which we do it all year long. But that kind of you know does that. Um, Fourth of July. Well, there's Father's Day in between, and that's usually a good time to buy the old man a new grill if he wants one. But then you get to Fourth of July, and and just a little fact for you: Fourth of July uh, is the biggest rib cooking day in the year. Um, they cook, uh, you know, twenty six million pounds of hot dogs and sausages that day. That goes without saying in burgers, but. That's just Joey Chestnut. Yeah. Right. I worked, with I worked with him once, man. That was nuts. Uh, we were doing live TV and he was there and I wasn't cooking hot dogs that day. Uh, and he came in there and he did a little demo on that. And I'm just standing off the wings watching him. He's just like, wop, wop, wop. And he, and he comes outside and, and uh, cause I was doing outside that day and, he comes by and he goes, oh, what do you got? And I told him, and, he, and I knew who he was. And so we start talking. He starts eating stuff <laughs> off the, because we'd already done the segment. And he's eating whatever it was. And I'm thinking, you're not that big of a guy. How can you <laughs> Where does it go? Yeah. I mean, kind of looked like he swallowed a balloon when the, when the segment was over. Ew. But yeah, he was a really nice guy. But I was like, holy Jesus, how do you, where do you put all that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 75 hot dogs is 75 hot dogs. I don't know how you do yeah, that. Yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. 75 hot dogs is what? I don't want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know, you go to this. Thank you, Leanne, coming in for our listeners here. <laughs> and the other thing you need. What was that sound? That was them turning the channel. Yeah. The other thing you don't ever want to do is peel the skin off a hot dog and look at the insides. Because that's what Leanne was saying. They they do a lot of, put a lot of stuff in there. You might find a Volkswagen part or whatever. But uh, yeah. So what's kind of, um, you know, it's something that's kind of fun. I'm thinking of all beef hot dogs, but something that um, my dad and I used to do as our little appetizers. And it's really simple is to buy all beef bologna from your deli. Have them cut it in like a one and a half inch thick puck, you might say. And you could throw dry rub on that, throw it on the grill. It's easy. Cut it in little triangles and have a little dipping sauce. You know, just mm. fun stuff like that. That's not hard I'm to do. So hungry, but right now. you know, Stop it. it's easy. <laughs> you want that is awesome. It's all about the experience, right? Especially celebrating the holidays, and you don't um, want to be you know, tied to your grill all day long. Although some people like to be because they don't want to be around people. Family, right. It's <laughs> like an excuse. Hey, you're giving away my secrets. Right, <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Why do you think I volunteer to cook all the time? <laughs> exactly. Well, hey guys, we got to wrap this up. What is the best way for people to find 
the radio show and podcast. Wow, because we're like you. We've got so many platforms and stuff. They, the easiest way is to go to barbecuenationjt.com. Um, the reason we had to add the JT on it because we, we were arguing with some people over the name rights, and I think we've got that resolved, as you know, Eric. But you mm-hmm. can go there, and you can actually listen to the last show if it's not on in your radio broadcast area. Um, you can go there or you can go to Apple or, or um, Captivate. Just about any, any other. Those. Yeah, just Spotify. about any other platform yeah, out yeah, there. We're there. Um, and if you have, there's, if you just look up Barbecue Nation, some of the independent or the affiliates, they'll have their websites listed. You know, it kind of goes down a little bit. And you can stream from one of them too. Um, listen to the show just like they would do around the house. So, um, but it's the easiest way is to get out on one of the platforms and listen to the podcast because you don't have to listen to all the commercials. Then. So, yeah. And we have, we have our own, um, we have our own personal social, social media platforms that, um, a lot of time we're posting when our shows become available, who the guests are going to be. Uh, most of my social media is, is Leanne Whippin BBQ. Um, but Jeff has his as well. So we'll, you know, we try to keep people posted on the latest and greatest what's coming up next. Yep. Yep. All right, guys, Leanne Whippin, Jeff Tracy, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having us. It was an honor and a privilege, my friend. And Caroline, bless you for working with him. So. Oh. That's awesome. Well, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House. It's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.